0: Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential.
1: Do you have an intro topic for us?
0: An intro topic? um, I just have the big topic.
1: You don't have any kind of small goof?
0: My small goof was just pretending to care about what you talked about.
1: Oh no! Oh dang!
0: This is the one where we start a beef. A beef. This we're too cordial. We're too nice to each other. We need to get some conflict.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody comes to our show and is upset that we're too polite to each other.
0: I think I think that's uh, what's keeping holding us back at this point. I think we need to get some uh, conflict going. It makes for interesting stories, man. Yeah. Well. It's drama.
1: I guess. But is, is our show, has our show ever been geared towards being drama? What's more dramatic than what we already do, which is hunt for the truth. You want to know something bonkers? What? So I was watching Jaws the other day. Jaws is, it, I don't remember when it was made, but it was made a long time ago. And I'm going to do a quick Google search. And me talking about the Google search is actually going to be what's stalling until I know when it was made. It was made in 1975. It was rated PG at that point. I don't know if they had PG-13. Right, but I don't the know when guy,
0: PG-13 came in. Some film nerd does know. The guy lost half of his body on screen. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a parental guidance.
1: Someone got ripped in half and they were like, ask your dad <laughs> if you can go see. The only limitation was that you had to be like nine- And then you could go buy tickets to a movie where a guy gets ripped in half. (laughs) Do you have any material to move into your subject yet? Well, um, I think that that was essentially
0: in the world of uh, forcing segues. That was a softball pitch, so thank you. Sharks, uh, what do they know? So a big, dumb, scary shark like Jaws frightened a generation, kept them away from beaches for years to come. What if that shark was being controlled by a government agency. This was not the case in Jaws. That's not the twist. I'm not spoiling anything for you. But uh, the topic today, as Jackson cheated and looked at my show notes, is spy sharks. Specifically, Israeli spy sharks.
1: Which, to be fair, I want to clarify and say, we usually do tell the other person the topic the week before in the closer. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not exactly cheating, but when Asher showed me his show notes for this episode, and it's just titled Israeli Shark Spies, I was sold immediately. So
0: shark attacks off the coast of Egypt. This is 2010. It sent beach tourism plummeting that year. Government officials had to rush to provide an explanation. So shark attacks are very rare. This is what everyone said immediately falling jaws when no one would get back in the water, is that this doesn't happen very often. On average, about 80 shark attacks, and this is just attacks, not necessarily people getting ripped in half, 80 are reported worldwide. So when, in 2010, over a five-day period, five tourists were attacked by sharks at the South Sinai Resort in Sharm el Sheikh, which I want to pronounce Sheik a la Smash Brothers and Ocarina of Time, but Charmel Sheikh. One of these tourists was even killed by an oceanic white tip shark. So this was significant. And this was, of course, weird because shark attacks are rare. Mm-hmm. But this was especially strange. For one, this is happening in December. And never before had any shark been spotted at the resort during the winter. And it was rare during the summer. So... At the time of the attacks, the uh, Egypt's tourism minister remarked that this is unnatural. We have no explanation. So when something so fantastic and phenomenal and violent occurs, you know it's uh, not long before a conspiracy theory rolls around. In this case, one guess, remote-controlled Israeli sharks.
1: That was actually my first guess, too.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the first thing you go to. So... How did we get here? Following the attacks, in an interview with uh, Okasha's popular but controversial Egypt Today television show, there was a a captain and diver uh, who was at least in the show introduced as a famous diver, Mustafa Ismail, he alleged that there is a tracking device found on one of the sharks. They did in fact catch one of the sharks that attacked one of the tourists and found a GPS device on the shark. Uh, He alleges that it was a guiding device and it was implanted by Israeli agents. So after this was on broadcast TV, naturally, people were amazed and concerned and contacted local government. So the governor of South Sinai, he initially stated that what is being said about the Mossad, which um, Mossad, by the way, is the Israeli equivalent of the FBI. So this is Israel's intelligence agency. What's being said about them throwing the deadly shark into the sea in order to hit tourism in Egypt is not out of the question but it needs time to confirm so this is when it really blew up
1: because the the governor
0: didn't dismiss it immediately
1: no he did far from that
0: yeah he said it's he said it takes time It needs time to confirm like oh we're doing
1: serious research
0: into this and we're concerned too
1: i think what he said before that is even wilder though is not out of the question yeah that's... So he's saying
0: anything's on the table? Well, you're doing what everyone else was doing at the time and just going... Uh, uh, uh. But the thing is, remote control sharks are real. Okay? Since 2006, this guy named Yella Atima... I uh, have this National Geographic article that uh, that's from 2006. So it's not as bad as some of the sites we've seen, but it hasn't held up super well against the test of time.
1: Yeah, well, time does so that.
0: Time does do that, and to websites, worse than most things. So DARPA, which is the uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, known for funding wacky military uh, research, gave this man uh, from Boston University of Massachusetts $600,000 uh, in a grant to continue his study in controlling sharks with neural implants that essentially, like, sharks... I mean, you've seen Finding Nemo, and uh, you have Fisher friends, not food. Yeah. And Dory gets smacked in the nose, and then she's got the nosebleed, and then he's like, Oh, that's good. And then they're, like, ravenous sharks. So it's basically the smell of blood in the water... That's not just a trope that's real, that guides sharks, and they kind of had the idea as like, well, if we can trick the shark into thinking he smells something in a certain direction, because that's a pretty simple trigger in the brain to fire, Yeah. if we can trick the shark into thinking it's there's some delicious smelling blood to the left, he'll probably travel left.
1: If they have a very specific touchstone that they kind of always react the same to, you can use that to kind of move them in different directions. You can use that to essentially control something.
0: Right. So they're not I mean, they're not exactly mashing a left and right button on a joystick. But I mean they're 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 just they can see it would be definitely within the shark's nature to follow the scent if it was hungry. And they can control making him hungry and control in his mind, where the, he believes the odor of blood is coming from, and it's pretty likely he's gonna follow it. And this actually was concluded in 2010. And if you remember from early in the episode, 2010 was the year of the attacks. So, was it possible that the US shared this technology with Israel, and then Israel used this technology against Egypt to deflate their tourism, getting him at the heart?
1: Wow. I do think that that's possible. Outside of the kind of character we have for our fake investigation agency that is this broadcast. I can <laughs> I, can, fake. I can think of people that would genuinely, no doubt, think, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like Sure, I like, mean, we, lots of people, jo- I mean,
0: the governor was like, yeah, we better look into this.
1: Yeah, that bothers me a little bit because I feel like as a governor, really your only role, I mean, it's like international relations and stuff, but your biggest role should be Comforting the people and letting them know what you're aware of. You don't tell them what you don't know. You aren't, <laughs> I mean, you aren't like. I
0: think that's what he was trying to do. He was like, okay, we hear you. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. So we're looking into it. That's well, probably said, more or less what he meant, but he didn't help things.
1: When he said, what is being said, throwing the deadly shark into the sea to hit tourism is not out of the question. That's like saying, it could be anything. The sky is the limit. <laughs>
0: So why did DARPA give $600,000 to this guy for this seemingly crazy project? I mean, the intention from the beginning was we can use, we can put a camera on this shark and use him for intel. It was very much like it was had a militaristic goal from the beginning. But why would they have faith in this to begin with? This has actually been going on for a while. The idea of using animals as spies. In 2001, a bunch of CIA's... The CIA's documents were declassified, like there's a certain amount of time that after it's no longer, like the information can't hurt anyone anymore, the information gets released to the public. So now, since 2001, we know of Project
1: Acoustic Kitty. Oh my goodness.
0: So Acoustic Kitty was a CIA project launched by the Central Intelligence Agency in the 1960s intended to use cats to spy on the Kremlin and Soviet embassies.
1: Of course, yeah,
0: that makes sense. The CIA noticed that at these embassies, there were lots of feral cats that were wandering around and they were completely allowed to pass by and pass by and were unnoticed by guards. at The time, of course, they're all over the place. There's no reason for the guards to be suspicious. So what better animal to use as a spy than one of these unassuming kitty cats that seem to just come and go through the embassy as they please? Wow. They implanted a uh, tracking device into the like the soft part of their neck, you know, like where their their mothers pick them up, and yeah. then they put a microphone into their ear, and then there was an an invisible wire that basically traveled from their ear to the back of their head. Okay, so obviously cats not the easiest thing to control. In fact, famously so. Um, Victor Marchetti, a former C- former CIA officer, said that uh, Project Acoustic Kitty cost around twenty million dollars. So 600,000 to to work on Spy Sharks, but 20 million to work on a Spy Cat for the CIA.
1: A Spy so Cat, day- a Spy Cat project that has the silliest name that could only also be the name of a band that was not popular in the 60s.
0: You know they spent about two hundred dollars on microphone and the rest of the twenty million just trying to get these damn cats to sit still. And really, that was the,
1: the and then about fifteen dollars trying to record the cats on a record so that they could call it Acoustic <laughs> Kitty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the first Acoustic Kitty mission was to eavesdrop on two men that were in a park outside of the Soviet compound. Uh, this is in Washington, you know, Washington DC. Allegedly, the cat was released nearby. Equipped with his microphone, ready to eavesdrop, but was immediately hit by a taxi and killed. So that's the famous story. So uh,
1: let me get this straight: you're telling me that this organization spent two million? You said
0: oh, no, I did not. I said twenty million dollars. Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, let me let me pull it back then. Twenty million. This organization spent twenty million dollars to attach some paraphernalia to a cat and then be completely unable to control it. I think I yeah, could exactly. I could conduct this exact same experiment for max $300. <laughs> Maximum. I mean,
0: how many dollars is it to to duct tape this podcast microphone to my cat? It's a well, it's a little less uh little less discreet,
1: I suppose. But I uh, mean, all you would need would be a uh a lapel mic. Yeah. Cuz you could you could tape the the thing to their stomach or something like the receiver and then have the cable go up and just clip onto their ear. Well, small microphones
0: were a lot more expensive in the 60s. Uh, I understand that. uh, Because of that extreme expense of all that cat chow, the project was canceled in 67. It was deemed impractical, but not impossible. In fact, the CIA researchers were adamant that they could train cats to move short distances wherever they wanted to. The environmental and security factors using this technique in a real foreign situation... That's what forced them to conclude that it wouldn't be practical. But they were still—they still maintained that it was possible. Can I just ask why they didn't try it with dogs? This place was already rampant with feral cats. That's why no one batted an eye.
1: Yeah, but you could get a dog to do things, whereas <laughs> like the only way, no matter what, that I can get a cat to move is if I pick up the cat myself. And if I'm walking around holding a cat people are going to be a little bit more suspicious of me than a dog walking up and sitting next to them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They didn't just have an agent run up and shove a cat into someone's face. Be Like, what do you think of this cat? Don't mind me. Continue talking. Dogs are too honest. That's the problem. Yeah, I guess. So if spy animals is something that we know has been seriously considered for decades, is that what happened in 2010? and Egypt. So to address what we talked about earlier like why would we immediately jump to Israel? Uh like why does Israel have to be the one who even does this? Uh if these are spy sharks after all. Right. So Amir Yosef he's the uh professor of political science at the American University in Cairo. He wrote that uh this and similar conspiracy theories are a result from a common misconception among the Egyptian public that Israel is all powerful. So Yosef wrote, "Notwithstanding that such allegations have No factual or logical grounds. No one stops to ask, why shouldn't Israel, facing serious security challenges, busy itself with this kind of thing? (laughs) So apparently, like, that's just what you do when you're when you're a common folk in Egypt is that you just jump to Israel immediately. So, I mean, they're currently at peace on paper They were, I mean, after World War II, they were pretty much in constant conflict for 20 years. It's been kind of on and off since then, but, I mean, on paper, there's no reason to suspect Israel. What are some other explanations? There's several, but they're they're all, like, not, they're non-conclusive, but there are other possible natural explanations for this extremely unlikely event of five shark attacks in five days. Now, Egyptian officials are suggesting that they this was due to overfishing in the area, so there was less food for the sharks, illegal feeding, and the dumping overboard of sheep carcasses, which I had to look a little more into. Um, apparently, in October, late October, there is Eid al-Adha... Oh, my God. There's the Muslim Festival of Sacrifice. Eid and,
1: al-Adha.
0: Yeah, thank you, and it happens in October... This is early December that this that these attacks happened. And after this event, there are lots of sheep. They've been slaughtered for the festival and they have uh, nowhere to go. And technically, it's illegal to just dump them in the water. But it's illegal for a reason. Lots of people do it. So there's tons of blood in the water around populated areas at this time because the populated areas where the festival was going on. Plus, their water was had uh, unusually high temperatures that year, especially for the winter. So those are all things that could have driven the sharks. And we also know that uh, this was oceanic white tip sharks. Huh. And those are of the 489 shark species. Didn't know that off the top of my head. That is from an article. That is from a wiki. Only three of those shark species are responsible for double-digit numbers of fatal shark attacks. So there's the great white shark tiger shark, the oceanic white tip. So these are known to be very aggressive sharks.
1: There is some actual logical reasoning behind this. I think part of the reason this theory is so catchy and so much fun for people to be like, oh, well, yeah, that probably happens is because it's believable. Well, it's brilliant
0: because it's so stupid. And that's what the CIA is, that's why these declassified CIA documents and Acoustic Kitty really support this, is because Acoustic Kitty was dumb as hell and they spent $20 million on it. And it's, if your whole game is to be as unassuming as possible, you don't want people to know you're doing what you're doing when you're a spy. To me, like using animals, you could easily write that off as crazy.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's probably a high proportion of like middle school boys who learn about sharks for the first time and think about why aren't we weaponizing these? <laughs> when you first said the, about the scene in uh, the fish movie Finding Nemo, when you first said this thing about the scene where they where Dory bleeds a little bit and they immediately perk up and go towards that. So many like animal things, animal sciences are so much harder to pinpoint the exact reason for doing these things. If you put blood in water and shark is hungry, shark goes towards blood is so cut and dry that, yeah, it seems like you could pretty easily get sharks to go specific directions. And if they're already hungry, get them to attack meat, humans.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's so guaranteed. It's like it's like a system. It's like a mechanic.
1: Sharks are the one that have this cornerstone that you can track, and are also violent enough that you could use as weaponry.
0: So, in during all this clamor in 2010, what did Israel have to say? Did they have any sort of defense for themselves? Uh, the Israeli Foreign Ministry, in response to the governor, said simply this: "You've seen Jaws." One time, too many. So this was on my mind because uh, it's Shark Week. Happy Shark Week, everyone. Turn on Discovery Channel, curl up by the fire, grab your loved ones, watch some sharks, kill some seals. It's going to be lovely. But uh, man, all this talk about vacation and being on the beach and seeing those ocean waves, uh, it's really making me get tired of this cubicle and get tired of the city.
1: The weather's pretty bad right now, so we're going to have to take the train. But would you like to go to Debunk Town?
0: Oh, I'd love to go to Debunk Town. I have family there. Wow. Well, the train's a fun way to get from A to B.
1: Let's hop on this train. So we're uh, we're riding the train to Debunk Town, right? It's a... Uh, they have the... A little,
0: it's, a little, you know. it's a little bumpy. It's a
1: little, <laughs> little bumpy, but uh, what's really uncomfortable about this ride, the conductor on this ride doesn't have the heat on, which is crazy because it is snowing outside. Ugh. So today in Debunk Town, I'd love to tell you a little bit... About another place where it snowed. In Georgia, in 2013, it snowed. And while it does snow occasionally in Georgia, it doesn't snow very often. What was crazy about this snow was literally nothing. There was nothing (laughs) crazy about this snow. And that is the end of this theory. No. So here in Debunk Town, we finally arrived. It's kind of peaceful and quiet. There are cows to the left who are shivering a little bit, and there's a saloon to the right, but there's snow on the ground, and our family is welcoming us at the door. It's a nice place to be away from the city full of shark spies. What happened in Georgia was these people who lived in Atlanta, Georgia for their whole lives decided this snow must be planted on us by the government. They didn't have any reasoning for <laughs> believing that, but they trusted that the snow was planted. And so what they did is they filmed a video. And in this video, they had a handful of snow, some fireproof gloves, and a lighter. And when they lit the snow on fire, instead of melting like they imagined it would, yeah, it became black. Here's, uh. here's why all of that is nonsense. To clarify, the snow wasn't black when they started lighting it on fire. It, okay, but it turned black. And see, the reasoning for that is when you hit something that is that cold with immediate butane flame, it's not going to melt that quickly. Really? Yeah. So this is just science. This is just science. The, the black that was on there was butane um, butane soot. Wow. And they also thought that it was problematic that it smelled like plastic a little bit. That's just fumes from the lighter. (laughs) All of these things have tiny little explanations. And that is why this theory is nonsense.
0: So potentially this, like this potentially could have happened in any city that doesn't get snow very often. I I can definitely see why if snow turned black, I would be like, "Mm, I'm not eating this snow, not pouring some pina colada syrup on this. It's not going in me.
1: Correct. Yeah. Well, I for one am a big fan of getting to see snow like this here in Debunk Town. Me too.
0: Although my uncle's already saying some really racist shit and I'm freezing my butt off. So,
1: uh... Well, the next, the next train is leaving now if we can hop on. Yeah,
0: we better go ahead and catch that because then we gotta wait for another one. and That might be another week or so.
1: Yeah, in this economy.
0: It's been fun, but uh, I think we gotta go.
1: Cool. Well, now that we're back in the big city, do we want to thank our uh, people?
0: Yeah, actually, I'm seeing this billboard over here. Uh, it's, it's our boy Glenn Merle. He has, a, he has a huge billboard up in lights. So proud of him. Uh, he wrote our theme song. It's Threadbare off the album Burden of Proof. You can get that on Spotify. Uh, we should start putting links to that in the show notes if we haven't already.
1: Yeah, we I'm gonna will. Go ahead and
0: put that, I'm going to go ahead and put that energy out there. Click on the link in the show notes to his music.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, oh, hey, look, there's another billboard. Uh, no. It's it's for us. Funny how cities have a lot of those. Well, uh, as we're going into the city, we're going to see a lot more of these. There's one for our Instagram, which we're posting on pretty often. It's at Strictly Confidential Show. There's another one for our Twitter, which we're posting on pretty often. It's S Confident Show. And then there's one for our email. If you have liked what you've heard and you want to hear more and you have theories you want us to talk about, shoot us an email at show at gmail.com.
0: Nice. I was only able to get the billboard that was... Uh directly outside the bathrooms at the mall, but it was 45 bucks. So uh, I figured that that was Hot Topic Squatters are pretty much our demographic, so we'll catch a few
1: of their eyes. Oh, there's a small announcement billboard for what we're talking about next week. I will be bringing to the table the theory of the cryptid the river monster who has an incredible name Alta Mahaha for the sake of our argument we'll be calling her Alti.
0: and uh, we have a special guest that episode I hear
1: yeah we do we have uh, I got to do an interview with one of my dear friends who actually lives in the suspicious state of Georgia well that's all I have
0: that's all I have too man uh, thanks for uh, going on this journey with me today yeah happy to do it so until next time tell them what, uh, what they should do well I think that's your job Oh, yeah. Well, you gotta stay curious. Joseph, I didn't say you could stop fanning me. It gets hot when we record.